Sometimes I don't sleep well. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll go to bed and I'll go to sleep, then I'll wake up and I won't be able to go back to sleep. So I'll get up and I'll start flipping channels and inevitably I'll run across uh, a guy selling something. Now it is the best ever of whatever it is. And I'm lucky that God woke me up at 2.30 just so I can see this commercial. It's some kind of cookware uh, that was designed in outer space or something. Uh, it is some kind of glue that God himself cannot tear apart. Uh, and, it, it, and listen, listen, it, I am very fortunate to be one of the ones up at 2.30 in the morning because if I order now, I'll get not one, but two if I just pay the shipping. Lucky for me, the guy always says, but wait, there's more. And I'm thinking, how much more can I stand? This is just too good to be true. But wait, there's more. We're going to read a series of stories in Acts chapter 16. All of the men with this phrase, or should. But wait, there's more. But wait. There's more. Paul was frustrated. He wanted to go into Asia. And if you're, if you're following his travels uh, in the back of, of, the, of your Bible on those maps, you'll see that Paul wanted to turn right. The Spirit didn't let him do that. The Spirit made him turn left. And now he comes to Philippi. The church is started in Europe, the very first church in Europe, the church in Philippi. And Paul would find out. With Jesus, there's always more. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we pick this story up. As Paul and his friends come to Philippi. From Troas, we put out to sea. We sailed straight through Samothraca and then next to Neapolis. And from there, we went to Philippi, a Roman colony a leading city in the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days, and on the Sabbath day we went out to the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to women gathered there and a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, Come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. With you, O oh Lord, the story goes on and on. You aren't limited by time, you aren't limited by place, you aren't even limited by our abilities. For you, in you, through you, there is always more. Help us in your church this morning, as your people this morning, to grab hold of the more you bring to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. It was a habit of Paul. It was a habit of Silas. We'll find this out later in the story to find a place of daily prayer. And while they had been in Philippi and getting to know the town, seeing where God would open the door, they head outside of the city 
to a river, and there they find a group of women. They begin a conversation. Paul begins to share the gospel. Lydia, who is a God-fearer. What's a God-fearer? It's, it's someone who knows there's a God, who knows there's something, can't quite identify it, hadn't heard the whole story, lives the best life they know how to live, but they're constantly frustrated because they know there's more, they just can't find it. And she recognizes what Paul is saying as being the more that she's looking for. So Lydia responds. She confesses. She believes in Jesus. She's baptized. Her household is baptized. And there in the house of Lydia, we have the very first church in Europe. Do you know how significant this church is? This is the church that gets the letter to the Philippians. The one that Paul says, I praise God every time I think of you. The one who pray, thanks them for remembering him while he was suffering and in prison. The one that he says, I use you as an example of generosity to all of the other churches. That's this church. And Paul has the chance to tell Lydia there's more. Now hold that thought. Some of you are just like Lydia. You know there's something, kind of maybe, but you don't know what. Perhaps you came to Christ as a youngster. You were seven, eight, nine years old, and you made a profession of faith that it was as real as any seven, eight, nine-year-old has ever made. You did believe in Jesus. You got baptized. You still believe in Jesus. It's just you have never grown past that baptism moment. You were born again. You just never started again. Born again means you're called to live again. There's more to this story. Some of us, if you grew up Baptist, come on now. We got just enough Jesus to be miserable all the time. Right? Okay. Your sins are forgiven, but you don't know how to deal with temptation. You don't know that you're supposed to grow up to be more like Jesus. And to you, I want you to hear me say, but wait, there's more. There's a life. There's a purpose. There's a hope. There is more. Like Lydia, you're the one who came to church, didn't know what you were going to hear, you just knew you were supposed to be here, and now you're finding out why. There's more. And for you, the next step may be to get into a group so you can start learning more. Maybe it's to finally act on your passion and get engaged in a mission that allows you to do the thing that you know you were born to do. With you, the good news is you're born again, you're loved, you're starting again, and praise Jesus, there's always more. Listen, some of you are celebrating, and if I pulled you aside and asked you, how are things, you would say, great, my life's a 10. You do know God counts higher than 10. Is that news to you? 
You're celebrating. I have a 10. Jesus is feeling sorry for you. They've only got a 10. What will they do if I hit them with 11? Or 15? Or 1,578? You know, Jesus counts higher. There's always more. There's more to this story. Once they went to prayer. A slave girl who met us, who had had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. So she followed Paul and she cried out to us. These men are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. They're servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days and Paul was greatly annoyed. And turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out right away. And when her owners realized their hope of profit were gone, they seized Paul and Silas. World doesn't mess with us too much till we mess with their money. This little girl was a slave of these men and she was used. This little girl was possessed by a demon and the demon recognized the presence of Christ in Paul and Silas. But you need to know a pattern in the New Testament. Demons are never allowed to praise God. They are never allowed to speak. Now there are a couple of times when demons came to Jesus and Jesus made them shut up. Paul, aggravated, not only at the interruption of this little girl, but by the actions of this man who would use a little girl like this, calls the demon out, and she loses the ability to make money for her owners, and they get mad. Hear me. It is never God's will that any of his children be slaves. You were created to be free. And some of you are held in addictions that are killing you moment by moment. And I know you're always thinking, you know, cocaine, heroin, those aren't the addictions that get us. That's the addictions that get us. Power. Money. You're addicted to the rush of the game. And as soon as you stop, the world will throw you away just like they threw this little girl away. But this little girl had a name. This little girl was somebody. And Paul and Silas knew that and wouldn't let her stay a slave to that demon. Some of you are caught. You are caught and you tell me, I can't get out of it. Get this. No, you can't. Jesus can get you out of it, but you can't get out of it by yourself. So you pull me aside and tell me how stuck you are, how trapped you are, and I want you to hear there's more. It's never the Father's will that you stay slave. 
there's more to your story. How many of you have ever heard if you stand up to a bully, they'll back down? You ever heard that? It's a lie. A bully will punch you in the nose just the same. How many of you have heard Jesus or remember Jesus say, don't worry what to say when you're dragged in front of the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders for the Spirit will give you what to say? Do you know that actually happens? There are men and women who are suffering now for the sake of the name, and Paul and Silas were arrested, beaten, thrown in jail. They were locked in the most secure place of the jail, chained, feet locked in stock so they could not move. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were taken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. And when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew a sword and was going to kill himself, assuming that all the prisoners had run off. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Sir, what must I do to be saved? If you preach the gospel, the world's going to come against you. Jesus promised that. Don't be surprised. Paul and Silas weren't surprised. They were beaten, they were unlawfully treated, and they were thrown in the deepest part of the prison. They were chained to the wall so they couldn't get away. Now, what do Paul and Silas do? It takes them a little bit to regain their bearings. And when they regain their bearings, what do they find out? North is still north. Up is still up. And our God is still on his throne. You may be arrested. God's still on the throne. You may be beaten. God's still on the throne. You may be chained and put in prison. God's still on the throne. And our response is always the defiant moment of worship. The weapon against the darkness is worship. When we proclaim that there is no name above his name, no king but Jesus, there's more. There's always more. Some of you have been rocked. The world has turned. Things have changed. You can't make sense of them anymore. And you've come to this moment of worship to realize up is still up. God is still on his throne. And despite our circumstances, despite our momentary situations, our response to the truth that is above every truth is always worship.
there's more to this story. There's more to your story. It would be interesting to hear your testimony this morning, to hear what you've come through and what you've dealt with. And when you'd finish, the church would shout back to you, and there's more. The saddest moment would be if you walked out of here without your more, not understanding that Jesus has more. You may be like Lydia. You may know all that you can know, and you know it's not enough. You know there's more. You just don't know what to do with it. And this is the moment that Jesus will let you know who he is. We're waiting for you in the Welcome Center to continue this conversation. But don't leave this place without knowing that more. For others of you, you're trapped. Don't know how to get out, but hear me. In the power of Jesus, there's more. You may have done everything right to only have everything go wrong. Like Paul and Silas in the jail, hear me, hear me, there's more. So we decided to end this service a little differently. We're gonna let Travis sing. I just want him to sing over you, just kind of give you the cover. So you can deal with Jesus however you need to. So you can have the conversation you now need to have to find your more. Don't leave this moment. I beg you. Don't leave this moment and not have your more.